Welcome to Mastering Rod Building, the only podcast dedicated completely to custom rod building. I am your host, Bill Faulkner, and I am delighted to have a very special guest with me today, none other than Elite Series Bass Professional, Bernie Schultz. So welcome, Bernie. Uh, For those of you, um, most of you probably know exactly who Bernie is, but for those of you that have been living under a rock for 30 years, Bernie has literally been on the Bass Tour, the BASS Tour for more than 30 years, and he's been an Elite Series Pro every series, uh, every year since its inception in 2005. Uh, he's got more than 1.5 million in in prize money winnings to date. He's competed in nine classics, Bassmaster Classics. He's competed in five FLW championships. He's won two U.S. titles. He's won two Canadian titles. He's a writer and an illustrator for several publications: Bassmaster, Bassmaster.com. One of my ba- there's a pile of them. Inside line, inside line, uh, and uh, yep. And so we're super excited to have Bernie here today to be our subject matter expert for the ultimate guide to building jerk bait rods. And so um, we're we're gonna make Bernie, you know, introduce himself and talk about how he got into fishing and everything else. But I, besides his long and consistent track record with success competing at the very highest levels. He also has done a lot of actual jerk bait development work in his past, both with soft plastic jerk baits and uh, the hard lure jerk baits. And so we're going to get into some of that a little bit. And I'm just super excited about this one. So Bernie, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. Thank yep. you. We're, we're, I'm, I'm kind of a little excited. I get I get nervous sometimes. But yeah, so uh, everybody who comes on the podcast is the first question I ask them. So uh, how did you get into fishing? Uh, What got you into fishing in the first place? My mom and my granddad. uh, I was raised on a lake in north central Florida. Okay. In Sanford, Florida. Okay. You know, that was kind of what we did for recreation and for things to kill time. Back then, you didn't have internet and and Netflix and all that stuff. Right. You know, we had like three channels on a black and white TV and that sounds like you know, a lot of people can't even probably perceive that. But, right, right. So we spent a lot of time outdoors. Yeah. And it was my family that fished and they got me into it. Dad didn't fish, but dad always made sure I had a boat or we were somewhere close to water. Yeah. So That's a good dad right there. It was good, yeah. Dad, are you listening? You did me wrong on the always having a boat. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, but you're a multi-species angler too. Like you, you've made a living on at the highest level of competition for freshwater bass, but you also saltwater fish. Yeah. yeah. I actually competed in the Redfish Tour one year, made their championship and kicked myself in the head. I was like, you've already made bass fishing your job. Why would you take your saltwater passion and make that a job? Right, so right. I dropped off that tour. But I did do some celebrity um, events, uh, the Red uh, Red Bone Series, the Baybone Series down in the Keys for cystic fibrosis and yeah. uh, did quite a few of those. But yeah, I, I like inshore, light tackle, saltwater, fly, yeah. spin, bait casting. Talk to me, yeah, baby. I, Talk I, to me. I like all that. Done a lot of it. Tarpon, snook, redfish, triple tail. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of species at swim shot. I like bonefish and permit. Oh, yeah. You know, I like I like stalking fish and sure. trying to catch, catch fish that might know you're there. That's that's right. the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we were chatting off camera before we started and you t- you, your son's a slow pitch jigger, right? He's learning it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's a okay. rep for Shimano and he's big into it. Awesome. What's his name? Daniel. Daniel well, Schultz. Daniel, I'm going to corrupt you. We're going to have you on the boat. My commitment to you is you'll be on a boat slow pitch jigging with me before 2023 is over. And we're going to try to corrupt your dad too. This will be worth it. Yep. Yeah. So, 
Jerk baits. This is a broad category, right? And obviously one that uh, has has won a lot of money for you and a lot of other pros over the years uh, and can be just a really effective technique. Before we get into the equipment and, and really what we want to plumb the depths of today a little bit is, you know, what are you looking for in a jerk bait rod? There's more than one way to set them up. There's obviously soft plastic and, you know, hard jerk baits and all that. But like, what do you, where does your head go when I say, okay, jerk bait season, or when are you, when are you first going to have a few rods on the deck with jerk baits? And when are you starting to kind of look for that bite? A lot of people think of it as wintertime. A lot of people think of it as pre-spawn. Like talk to me, walk me through your process of when you know to pull out the jerk bait rods. Yeah. Um, that's the misconception with jerk baits is provided you're not on hard water, they'll work you around. They have the potential to work year-round. Let me say that. Uh, Excellent in the wintertime. That's probably that. And the pre-spawn, like you mentioned, is probably the premier time for jerkbait fishing, Mm -hmm. uh, especially on man-made reservoirs. Right. But they can work in the summer. They can work in the fall. They can work in the dead of winter, uh, you know, transitioning from fall to uh, the winter months. Mm -hmm. There's really no limitation on the bait. It's just the application. And, and, you know, if, if the fish are in a a depth in the water column where they can, you can present the lure and they can see the lure or, or at least, you know, reach the lure, then it has the potential to work. You know, and, and it is a broad category, really. A lot of people's perception is there's a jerk bait is kind of, you know, a five inch minnow with three hooks or two hooks and, right. and it's got a limited scope and as far as application, but that's not true at all. There, there are deep diving jerk baits are right. extremely shallow running jerk baits various size links bodies profiles colors i mean the spectrum's broad absolutely so so biggest categories soft jerk baits and hard jerk baits like talk to me about how you decide which one to try or, yeah. or what you're keying in on that suggests you use one or the other yeah soft jerk baits a lot of times that's when fish are schooling mm-hmm. that would be one application that doesn't mean a hard body jerk bait won't work in those scenarios also but it it just seems like a a fluke style you know, sluggo style type bait. Right. That's really good in, in uh, schooling fish uh, or anytime you're around cover, particularly grass, you can rig a soft plastic jerk bait so it'll come through grass, whereas you don't have that ability with right. a treble Great hook point. type bait. Yep, absolutely. So they have their application. They're not as erratic in my mind as you can make them erratic, but they're not as erratic as a hard body jerk bait in a short travel space okay you know in a strike zone a, a very narrow or tight space you can get a lot more out of a stick bait a jerk bait than you can a hard body rather than you can a soft body they they glide more mm-hmm. so so if you're trying to get an illicit reaction strike or something that would be a time you might go to the, the hard body hard body yeah okay. yeah and and that's there's a lot of times when that makes a big difference it's right just, you know covered kind of dicta- dictates that the uh the forage that the fish are after, you know, if they're keyed in on three inch shad, then uh, it's hard to beat a Yamamoto D shad or a zoom fluke or some similar uh, caffeine shad, I think is the uh, strike king King bait. There's a lot of fluke style baits out there, but a lot of times that's a a really good emulator for shad or ale wives or whatever is the bass are, are focused on. Right. Yeah. You mentioned, and with the, with the rigid baits, the hard baits, different depths. So I've heard different things. Like some people say you never, you want it at their level, but right above them. You don't want to ever go below them or you want to go right at them or like, how are you like, talk to me a little bit. And I know it's a lot, we could probably talk for hours, but are you basically just marking fish and based on the depth or, or where you're finding fish in practice or whatever, and then you're deciding which, what logic goes into shallow, medium, deep? Yeah. It's a great question. 
Really good question. And it's critical to success in a lot of cases. Generally speaking, I like to be above the fish okay. with my presentation. But if if the fish won't move, like it's super cold temperatures, the fish are lethargic, maybe dead of winter or early uh, spring in, in a cold front situation, mm-hmm. you got to put the fish in his, uh, you know, put the lure rather in the fish's face. You right. got to get it down there where he has to deal with it. Okay. And and a lot of times it's uh, patience. You get the bait down there and, and pause it, just stall it basically right. and let it just sit there. And a lot of times that will eventually evoke a strike. But most of the time, I want the bait above the fish. Okay. I want him to ascend to the lure. Okay. And that's inclusive to uh, floating jerk baits and suspending baits. Okay. Just because the bait suspends, I don't necessarily want it at the level of the fish that he's, ho- you know, where he's holding. Right. The depth he's holding at. Right. I rarely go below the fish. Okay. That certain times a year, the fish are aggressive enough. You could throw a tennis shoe in there and follow it down and bite it. <laughs> Tell me when that is. I want to fish for those fish. Right, I haven't seen right. those fish in a while. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, you know, in a jerk bait, it's a very forgiving lure. It's, it's got a minnow-like profile. And if you can get it down somewhere in the, in the zone where the fish is holding, you can get a, a reaction. But there are a lot of times when the fish just do not want to feed and it's still the best lure because it can provoke them to to react. Right. How do you figure out, and, and I know I'm asking a little bit of a complicated question because it's going to get into line and tackle and all that. And we're going to get into it. But so if you're trying to be right above the fish or right in their face, depending on yeah. the, the presentation, how do you determine uh, how deep each one of these baits runs? Are you practicing somehow or do you trust the package? Or like, how do you know this one runs five feet versus this one runs seven versus, or are you manipulating that as part of your technique with line all, selection? All the above. Okay. I mean, uh, most manufacturers are pretty accurate in their assessment on depth. And that's critical to the diameter of the line you're using. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're using, if the manufacturer says the the bait will run four to six feet, that's probably on 10 to 12 pound line. You start going up in pound rating, you're going to lose some of that depth. Right. You lighten on that that pound rating and you're going to get more depth. Okay. So especially if you use fluorocarbon line. Right. That's a sinking line. Right. It's a dense line. So the, the lure will travel deeper than it would with a buoyant line. Okay. Like, like, you know, any kind of mono. Yeah. So you led me partly right where I want to go. So one of the, one of the questions that uh, I think is a big topic in doing a little research prior to this podcast is casting rods or spinning rods uh, for, for jerk baits. Uh, and the answer may be both, right? Depending. It, it is both, but it's, Many times comes down to personal preference or mm-hmm. the size of the lure. Generally speaking, a bigger jerk bait will go more commonly be thrown on a uh, bait caster. Okay. Uh, when you start dealing with featherweight jerk baits, you know, distance and accuracy becomes an issue. They're like it's like trying to cast a potato chip. Right. Yeah. So a, a spinning reel is a lot better for distance and accuracy with lighter or smaller profile jerk baits. That's a basic rule of thumb. There's right. a lot of overlap. Yeah. And it can come down to physique or angling skill. Yeah. Some people are, are more uh, comfortable with a spinning reel, you know, yeah. that's underslung rather than yeah. a bait caster above the reel seat. Right. And then others are the other way. Yeah. You know, they lean towards bait casters. I do both. Yeah. I employ both. I think Kevin Van Dam, you know, the winningest angler of all time on the Bass <laughs> Tour, woke a lot of people up when he started jerk baiting with a spinning rod. Yeah. And, uh, he felt like he could impart more action with a spinning rod than he could with a bait caster. It, it was more responsive to his movements okay. than a bait caster. I'm not sure that's true for everybody, but yeah. but I agree with it, it to some degree. Yeah, it's also less fatiguing, I think. Okay, 
I think I think a spinning rod you can if you're going to be jerk baiting for eight hours, you might want to take some of that fatigue factor out if if you can. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, both can work. Okay. And as long as the tackle is balanced to the weight of the lure, right, the weight of the line, and all that's figured out before you ever start your presentation, yes, both can be very effective. Okay. Excellent. You you already mentioned this one a little bit, but line obviously is always a question. Uh, sure. Mono, fluoro, yeah. braid with leader, yeah. and, and there may be a time for all those. But like generally speaking, if you were going to give some of us some guidelines, like how do you think about that, and when are you yeah. picking up a rod with what? Yeah, if I if I'm fishing a jerkbait in super shallow water, especially when it involves cover like grass or maybe wood type cover. And buoyancy is critical or keeping the bait high in the water column. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use a, a copolymer or a, you know, a monotype line that's buoyant. Okay. Okay. If I'm trying to get the bait down, keep it at a certain level in the, in the water column where the fish might be suspending or trying to get it closer to the bottom, then I'm going to use a fluorocarbon line. I rarely use braid with a leader okay. for a jerkbait. Okay. I, I do in saltwater, okay. but the species are much bigger and right. you know I, w- I want the tensile strength of braid to fight like snook or tarpon or whatever. Right. But I am using a fluorocarbon leader right. f- and it's kind of a shock leader as right. well as a visual thing to yeah. eliminate the uh, visibility of the, the signature line. of the braid. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a guideline, but all about buoyancy and, sure. and what you're dealing with. I mean, whatever's below the surface of the water, you have to take that in consideration. It's not just the depth that the bait will travel to. What are the obstacles? Right. And what what's the mood of the fish? How far will the fish travel for the lure? Yeah. You know, if you can get a, a fish to ascend, you know, from six feet of water up to two feet, a lot of times that's a more vicious strike than one that if you put the bait closer to the fish, he might even be reluctant to strike. Yeah. So you want to pull that fish as far as you can within reason at certain times of the year. Okay. And a buoyant lure will do that. Okay. And pound tests. So like generally, I know again, yeah, horses I, for courses, but generally speaking, what, what line ranges are, are fluoro, either copolymer, mono or fluoro range line are yeah. you fishing freshwater bass jerk baits with? Okay. If we're going just to zero in on bass, I would say eight to 12 pound and okay. 10 would be the mean Okay, and, and probably the most commonly used. Okay. Um, Line's so good now. Yeah. You know, all the manufacturers have kind of raised the bar on each other right. to the point where the angler benefits. Yeah. It's it the tensile strength on 10 pound line is really good. Right. The diameter is what it should be, but it probably breaks at 14. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe even 15. Right. So and that's a good thing. Yeah. So you 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 get the you know, if you have a wide diameter line, yeah, it'll keep the bait up in the water column, but it also can kind of retard the action of the lure, restrict the movement of the right. lure. Yeah. So I want as much mobility in the lure as I can get and thinner diameter line will Allows give you that. that. Right. That's right. Yeah. Correct. What about knots and rigging? Are you tweaking a lot of people, tweaking these things out, changing hooks, putting yep. dots on them, loop knots? Like talk to me about that. You, you have yeah. more experience than most of us. Yeah. It, depending on the bait, like if I'm using a, a surface twitch bait, which I categorize as a jerk bait also, because mm-hmm. you can use it in that application. Uh, like a, a Rapala original floating minnow. Yeah, okay. I was going to say floating type jerk, but yeah. yeah. I'll use a loop knot. Okay. Uh, I like a loop knot. It gives it a lot of uh, swing, a lot of mobility. And basically it's a uh, improved, the knot that I use is is uh, a double improved loop. Okay. It's the name I've always used, but 
it's about gives you maybe a half inch of, of loop in front of the lure. Okay. Not so much that the front hook will grab the loop, right? But you want as big a loop as you can get away with without that happening. Okay. Yeah. So that's a pretty big loop. Okay. It is. Yeah. So it gives the bait more swing okay. at the nose. And the, the cool thing about a, a Rappel original minnow, and, and this is something to look for in other baits also, not only do you want the side to side gait or swing, you also want a bait that will wobble. Mm -hmm. So they call it the Rappler roll. Yep. And it was kind of built in, you know, Lori Rappler, when he was carving these things, he figured that out. And the yeah. bait will actually roll as well as swing side to side. Right. So you get a lot of action in a short amount of space right. with each pull. Yeah. And that's a good thing. So don't restrict that with your knot. Okay. You can uh, tie directly to a split ring or even to a, a line tie mm -hmm. that's uh, embedded in the lure. But I think uh, the more mobility, the better. Okay. You Makes know? sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is not directly related to the equipment or the setup, but how do you think about colors? If you were just going to give some high level color guideline, there's some of them that are very realistic, right? Look exactly like uh, a gizzard shad or a thread from shad. And then yeah, there's yeah. some that are like wild colors. Yeah. So how do you, how do you think about color selection? Yeah. Some of that's on species okay. or, or uh, water clarity. Okay. Uh, if, if the fish can't see, I mean, a, a jerkbait can work in off colored water. A lot of people really? think it's okay. purely a clear water. I tend to think field. of it as a clear water thing. Yeah. It, it's not. Though it's not restricted to that. In okay. fact, you get some really good reaction in off-color water. You just have to either use a bait that has a highly reflective uh, finish or brightly colored finish. Okay, you know where your uh, fluorescence come in. Okay, and then it can come down to species. Smallmouth love fluorescent color baits. Yeah. you know, pink, chartreuse. Uh, they glow orange, yeah. you know, just bright. I don't know colors. what they think they're eating when they're eating those. I don't baits. know. But they, <laughs> it, it fires them up. Yeah. And, you know, natural colors in contrast, natural colors can be the better, better choice, especially if fish are zeroed in on a, a specific type of forage, whether yeah. it's, um, you know, menhaden or, or uh, uh, shad or, or, you know, any sunfish or alewives or, you know, the, I'm trying to think of the fish that swim in uh, the Carolinas, but they're. They're the big uh, pencil poppers and they do yeah, spoons and yeah. oh gosh. I just came from Lake, uh, <laughs> Lake Murray where that, that, that was a deal. Right. Uh, it'll come to me in a second. But anyway, matching the, the forage is, is really important at times. Bass can be so zeroed in as can tarpon and snook and sure. other, other inshore saltwater type species, uh, they may get so fixed on a particular uh, coloration of the, of the forage that they're feeding on or or matching the profile. You know, yep. the, the length of the bait can be can translate to the lure selection also. Right. right. I was trying to Google this. And of course, we're, I'm going to think of it. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and think of it. And there's, there's a thousand people in South Carolina going, you idiots. But yeah, you can leave that in the comments for us. We appreciate it. All right. So that's all super helpful construct hooks doing anything different with hooks or you the hooks have gotten so good too you're talking about the line i feel like one yeah. of the biggest things that's changed lately is hooks like some of so many of these hooks are strong and sticky sharp and yeah there's different schools of thought on that most manufacturers use good hooks mm -hmm. didn't used to be that way no it didn't i used to change all of my hooks yeah. but i like a needlepoint style okay. hook some people like the spade type mm -hmm. hooks that dig and mm -hmm. have a little bit of curvature right. on the point. Okay. Not just the curvature of the of the shank, but but the point itself right. is curved. Being a straight needle like versus an, like an owner. Right. You know exactly. A lot of guys like that. Mm -hmm. uh, lot, a lot of guys like that very um aggressive curve that comes almost back mm -hmm. on itself. Right. Like trip triple, triple grips. grips. Yeah. Right. And I you know there's I agree with that once the fish is hooked. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm wondering how many I'm not hooking yeah. on that with that curvature. I don't know. That's it depends on the angler. Right. If I start losing fish, I'm going to change hooks. I'm well, going to try something else. It's funny. So you've already taught me several things, but one of the things I do tend to not think of jerk baits in, in murky water. I tend to think of it as a clear water thing. And I also right. think of it as, as a way of fishing where you lose a lot of fish, almost like a top water where you're judging your success by the bites. And then once you get bit, you're trying to get the fish to the boat while keeping them buttoned up. Like, I watch you guys on Saturday and Sunday mornings on FS1 and, and ESPN, and you get you guys obviously are best fishermen in the world, but you keep a lot of those fish buttoned up. Are you doing anything different when you're jerkbait fishing to try to convert those fish and get them in the boat? Or, or what would you say to an angler like me who who ha- it seems like he's losing a, a higher percentage of the strikes he's getting or fish he's hooking yeah. than other styles of baits? What am I doing wrong? I, a lot of times it's a rod that's too stiff okay. or, or a line that has no stretch. Good, because I was thinking if it was me, I was going to be really unhappy. Yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> I mean, you can, you can overly battle a fish. I mean, you can- sure, on any yeah. equipment. Right? Yeah, there's a little bit of, when you're dealing with treble hooks, there's some finesse and patience involved in trying to get that fish to the boat right. or to the bank or whatever you're fishing from. Right. But, uh, you know, a softer rod and line with a little bit of stretch, you don't get that with fluorocarbon so much, right. but it depends how far the fish is from you. You know, there's more stretch, obviously, the further he on is. A longer line, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when that fish starts getting close to the boat, which is where most fish are lost- um, it's usually because there's not a lot of line stretch. Mm-hmm. The rod's too stiff or the fish is too green. Okay. So patience, let the fish, It's you know, as long as there's not cover involved where you might run the risk of him getting under a piling, right. around a piling or under a- In a brush pile or yeah, something. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Or in vegetation that's too thick to pull him out of. You know, my feeling is you're better off playing the fish out a little ways. And okay. a lot of times when they change directions with a jerkbait, they're burying more hooks in their backs mm. and or their sides or right. in their mouth. So uh, as long as they're not jumping and they're just changing directions, you got the it, the chance of of getting more hook points in the bait and in the fish rather. So, I don't know how many I'm getting them. I apparently need a few more. Yeah. But it could, it, I think it's also a self-fulfilling prophecy when you start worrying about losing the fish. That's probably when I'm prone to rushing the fish to the boat, right? Yeah. And that's exactly when I need to relax yeah. and slow down. Well, we all want the fish in the boat as quickly as possible. Right. You know, that's just human nature. Right. But, uh, you know, with jerk baits and little treble hooks, especially if it's a, a smaller bait with smaller profile hooks, you definitely need to be a little, you know, use some finesse and, and patient. Absolutely. Patient, so. so now the rods and reels, we've, we've established you can go with a spinning setup or a casting setup, yep. use what you're comfortable with. We've yep. talked about the various depths of baits and the hardened plastic baits, right. right? We talked about the different lines and things. Talk to me about an ideal uh, jerk bait rod to you. And I, and I know you were kind of educating me on there's more than one school of thought, right? But kind of walk me through yeah. what the way you think about jerk braid rods and what, what you found to be really successful. Okay. It depends the, on the type of action I want to get from the bait. Okay. And, and not all not all jerk baits are created created equal. They don't all deliver the same type of action. And that's the beauty of them is right. subtle differences in each of them. They're all tools. Right. It's like having different size wrenches. Okay. You know, the amount of action that a bait can produce is that's that's one consideration the way you fish that bait so if for instance if i'm smallmouth fishing i learned a long time ago or early in my career i learned that i could get a a wide swing on a jerk bait from side to side i mean a bait that'll travel a foot out to the side or more and then two feet back the other way and then two feet back the other way again i get more bites it's not the forward movement 
as much as the side-to-side erratic movement that I get. And so to get that, I learned also that you need a, a lighter line and a very soft tip on your rod. You're almost throwing slack to the lure mm-hmm. between pulls. So when you snatch that that lure and it travels to the side a foot and a half, it's got slack line. When you go to pull again, the loading of the rod is is it's sluggish. And that will send that lure twice as fast to the opposite direction yeah. and less forward in your direction. Right. Almost like subsurface walk the dog. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And as wide as you can get that gate, small mouth cannot stand that. Interesting. And okay. Most people are busy jerking perpetually trying Wouldn't to get horizontal travel. Yeah. yeah it's back coming towards them. Right. Correct. It's coming to them. The presentations, the, the gate is narrow. It's erratic. And it's doing a lot of flashing and, and you know exaggerated movement, but it's not getting that side to side right swing it's that, out of the zone more quickly. Absolutely, yeah. and and if you can, it's almost like stalling the forward progress of the lure. It's yeah. moving a lot, but it's not moving forward. Right. Okay. Smallmouth are notorious for following a bait. Right. Before they'll commit to it. Okay. So it serves two purposes. It not only gets their attention and and, and drives them crazy, but you can make it happen farther from the boat mm-hmm. where they're less likely to refuse the lure. Yep. So that's, that makes great sense. That's a great tip. Yeah. That's one, one reason I like that. Okay. So I'm using a seven to seven, two. Okay. Okay. And a lot of this is depending on your physique also. Sure. If you're a smaller person, you know, maybe a six, six rod might be better for you, but the whole idea is a, uh, you know, more of a parabolic, almost a noodle type tip for Mm me. That's just for that one application. Or if I'm throwing a smaller jerk bait, that's harder to cast. I want that same action. Okay. Okay. Now, if I want a bait that, I want a sharper response from, and I want a tighter zone to work that bait in. Maybe I'm, you know, working like when the wind's blowing in grass, submerged or emergent, it creates a grain in the grass and mm-hmm. in, in that grain are alleyways. Mm-hmm. And you can deliver a bait, including a jerk bait, down those alleyways. So you don't have a lot of space side to side to work that. Or you'll bait. hang it up. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of an extreme scenario, but it's but, a very effective. So I'm from Florida. Right. You know, you get plenty of weeds. <laughs> yeah, we're, our lakes are heavily vegetated, and, right. and the bass live in the grass, and you got to learn how to, you know, extract the bass from the grass. Right. So anyway, that's when I, I want a bait that doesn't travel too far side to side, but is still very erratic. So I'm going to use a, you know, a, a, sti- a little bit stiffer rod uh, with a, a, you know, it's not going to be parabolic. And all the forgiveness will be in the tip, mm-hmm. but it's going to it's going to be a fast tip. Okay. Okay. And that's going to make that bait dance and right. and whether it depends who the manufacturer is, but you're going to get a sharp response with each twitch of the rod tip. And I'm not putting huge sweeping pulls on the rod unless okay. it's winter time. And I'm trying to get the thing down. And th- then when I, once I get it down there, I may sweep the rod rather than jerk the rod mm-hmm. uh, in the summertime or when the water temperature's up, I want more choppy movements okay. with the bait and in a shorter amount of traveling time. Okay. Yeah. I wish, I wish everybody could see your hands cause you're doing a good job sort of yeah. depicting side to side. Hopefully people will get it. Yeah. I think you're doing a great job describing it too. It, uh, it, it, I'm absolutely picking up what you're laying down. That's all. So for that stiffer rod, seven to seven, two as well, generally, or, uh, it, yeah, no, I'm going to say six ten. but I'm, I'm a six foot tall person, right? A couple hundred pounds. Right. So I, I usually, I like a seven foot rod. Okay. Now it wasn't always that way. Back in the old days, short rods with pistol grip handles oh, yeah. were the norm, you know, oh, yeah. you use a five foot rod was 
standard speed sticks yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> but now you know the, the handles are they're straight handle rods and they got butt sections and and so the blanks have over time evolved to a, a longer length for just about any application yeah uh, and it's good it's real good because you can not only deliver the, the lure at a distance uh you can impart action get the bait down deeper i think the farther you get it out there, then that longer rod helps you do that. But you can also take up a lot of line on a hook set. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and that's that's crucial, especially when you're talking about lighter line with some stretch, small lure at a distance. Mm -hmm. When the bait's away from the boat, you get hit on, on the length of your cast. Yeah. You want to be able to take up some of that line. Like a lightning bolt from the sky, blueback herring. It's the herring. Bingo. And, yeah. Bingo. Lee, it's been bothering me ever yeah. since we, yeah. we brought it up. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So South Carolina, take a deep breath. It's all good. Yeah. You're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> jerk baits are really effective on herring lakes uh, know, yeah. where the fish are programmed for herring. And usually the profile of the bait is is bigger. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in, in Florida, we use a lot of gold because mm -hmm. of golden shiners. Yep. So, and we use a bigger profile bait because... I mean, sometimes they're using 10 and 12 inch shiners to yep. catch these big bass. Right. So a bigger profile jerkbait can sometimes emulate that that type of forage. Absolutely. But conversely, if you're you could be fishing for bass that are chasing threadfin shad that are quite young or any kind of Tennessee shad, you yeah. know, any, any kind of shad, you know. So profile and and coloration, we're kind of getting back full circle to that. All that plays in it, it all factors in. It, it you know, when you choose a rod. It should be about the size of, of the, the lure, the weight of the lure, the diameter of the line that you intend to throw it on, and, uh, you know, how you're going to present that lure, whether mm -hmm. it's going to be an aggressive or, or a, a more subtle action, a slower presentation versus right. a speedier presentation. So when we talked about this slow, really wide gate kind of uh, small mouth, you know, exciting action yeah. and that more parabolic rod yeah that's true regardless of the line you're fishing for that style of jerk bait it's, or it's all rods stay the same you no, just change the line for the depth or are you changing both of those at the same time yeah generally the, the range i mean yeah i have used smaller jerk baits which requ require a smaller rod but mm -hmm. with the same action or forgiveness mm -hmm. line might diameter might be smaller mm -hmm. down to eight maybe i never go below eight pound test for a okay. jerk bait there's okay. just no need the fish don't even smallmouth and gin clear water. You can read the newspaper, 20 foot of water on the bottom. Yeah. They don't care that they'll eat. They're it. so yeah. dialed in on that lure. Right. And it's, it comes down to whether you present it just right where you can get him to commit or if he's refusing the lure, you need to change something. Right. Whether okay. it's the action or the color or the profile or whatever. Okay. But yeah, to answer your question, it's pretty much the same rod. If I want that w wide side to side gate, okay, that parabolic action, correct, rod, soft and, rod. Yeah. Same holds true if I want that tighter action with a crisper rod. If I'm using a smaller bait, I'm going to use a shorter rod, but it's still going to be crisp. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. And with a, a fast tip. And if I'm throwing a big jerk bait on, you know, the bigger rod, it's still going to be crisp. Yeah. I, I want that sharp reaction when I snap the rod tip. I want that bait to dance. Right. Okay. And what about the soft plastic jerk baits? So any different, what same different, what, talk to me about the uh, rods for those. They glide more. So right. it, to me, it's more about medium heavy action rods for those, believe it or not. Yep. And and I throw a lot of soft plastics on braid mm -hmm. with, okay. with a leader, whether, okay. whether that leader's spliced to the line I'm throwing, or if it's tied with a swivel. Okay. You know, like in bass fishing, I use a swivel quite a bit. Okay. It, it defeats line twist, Yep. which is good. And you get you use fluorocarbon or if you're trying to keep the bait up, you're fishing, say, 
you've got uh, two feet of water over a submerged grass bed. Okay. And you're trying to pull the fish out of the grass and you need to keep your bait up. Right. You, I'll use a uh, mono or a copolymer line that's buoyant in okay. that scenario, but I'll use a heavier yep. pound test. Okay. And I can go up as much as 20 sometimes, depending oh, wow. on the, the density of the cover or whether I can get away with it. To keep the bait shallow. Keep the bait up. To, yeah, bait get up. it where you want it. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep okay. the bait up, yes. Interesting. That's fascinating. Yep. And so you look like you're saying maybe, I don't know, 18 inches a liter length off the swivel-ish? Yeah, not, not a lot more than that. Okay. Again, they, they see the lure and they kind of forget about everything in yep. front of it. So what's really effective is a tandem rig, fluke style rig. Uh, okay, I've it. seen this steel. So uh, you're talking about where you would have your braid, let's say, or your main line go into your reel tied to one swivel and then have a leader to uh, one soft plastic jerk bait. Then you would have the second soft plastic jerk bait threaded onto that leader to eye the it, swivel on that leader. Or, it, yeah. it can be on that one or it can be on a three way. Oh, oh, I didn't think have about a, a three way swivel. Okay. It could be a drop. Yeah. Very few people do that. Yeah. And you can al you can also do that with a standard swivel. Mm -hmm. But uh yeah, it, there's something about it. we're not allowed to do that on the tour. Yeah. The Elite Series right. eliminated more than one hook on You guys are too good tour. already. You can have you well, can we can't give you that so, advantage. <laughs> it's so good if you rig it correctly, you can get the one exactly. They'll, one going one way, the other going the they'll, other. They'll yeah. cross each other. Yeah. You know, not literally. They're behind each other. Right. One's behind the other, but right. but they do kind of zigzag each other. Right. And that drives fish crazy, especially the schooling fish. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I We'll put up a link or a picture of the description of the rig that Bernie's talking about. And I may have a, a name. I don't know. But um, it's just a tandem fluke rig. Okay. Well, I had never learned this. I used to fish on Lake Washington, in Arkansas all the time. And it was these tiny little shad in the summer and these aggressive, big spotted bass, like three and four pound spotted bass that would get schooling. Yeah. And they would only want that little bitty baby fluke or fluke junior, you know, that I've, size of plastic, which that. was hard to throw. And it was like, oh man, if I'd known about this tandem rig, I, that would wear those fish out. Yeah. You, you'd literally be putting spots yeah. in the boat two at a time. Really good on the herring lakes. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What, what you kind of tapped on something else. I remember a tournament on Lake Norman in the dead of winter. It was back then we fished fall to spring and had mm -hmm. summer classics. Okay. Yep. It's not that way anymore. Right. We, we have a spring classic and we actually start the season the next season before we have last year's classic. It's right. weird. Yeah. But we start in February and we fish usually to August. Yeah. And then we have those months off. Mm -hmm. But I was fishing a wintertime tournament on Lake Norman in uh, North Carolina. Yeah. And I was fishing a hot water discharge and the fish were schooling in that discharge on tiny, tiny little shad. Yeah, that's a tough bite. It, it was. Yeah. And I ended up, I, I went to the store and I bought these little flukes that I found. It, it was a Walmart. Yeah. And I found these little tiny flukes that weren't, they weren't really called flukes. They were made for crappie. I don't know who made them. Yeah, yeah. And I was nose hooking them with a little tiny hook, mm. throwing them on five pound line, letting them drift in the current. And when the fish would rise up, I twitch it a little bit and they'd eat them. And I ended up doing really well in the tournament. That's crazy. And that's a soft body body jerk bait. Even yep. though it's smaller, right? It's like minuscule in size yeah, yeah. compared to what you normally would throw. Yeah. It was hard to throw, but sure. When they're on that tiny forge, when they're on those tiny bait fish, it's hard. Oh, man. it was awesome because yeah. a lot of guys knew about the fish. Right. I wore them out. Oh, that's awesome. All not because I was a better angler, simply because I had a smaller profile lure and they didn't. It's the fly fishing background, man. You're matching yeah. the hatch. I, I, I downsized big time and it <laughs> yeah. paid, man. Whatever works. That's it was awesome. It was snowing on us. It was so cold. Oh god. It, it was brutally cold. I have a uh I have a 
a story about fish in a hot water discharge, but it involves my only game violation citation in my whole life. So I don't really want to bring it yeah, up. Yeah, we might but, not want to go. <laughs> no, it was, uh, we just couldn't, come, my brother and I were in a John boat. We couldn't, just couldn't quite get past the rope that says don't enter this the area to get to, yeah, to get to the hot water discharge. But every time we get there, we get a bite, insta bite every cast. And we thought we were getting away with it. And he was waiting for us at the ramp and he was actually pretty gentle and we never did it again. But, uh, in our rules, yeah. those are brick walls. Oh yeah, you cannot. No, no, no. It should have been a. That. It should have been a brick wall for yeah. us too. Yeah. <laughs> I, learned, I learned that lesson that day. Yeah, the penalty is pretty stiff on our tour. You get DQ'd. Uh, well, that's. Uh, yeah, that's not. Uh, we're not looking for that kind of trouble for sure. Excellent. All right, so we've covered the rods. Let's talk about reels a little bit and yep. gear ratios and some of those yep. things. What, what has your experience informed you or taught you about that? Yeah, generally speaking, I like a medium to slower ratio reel. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like you can get in a hurry if you're not careful, especially in the winter time. I, okay. I, at the presentation, everything's slow motion mm -hmm. in the winter. You got to really slow down. The fish don't want to eat. They don't. You know, I'm talking about dead of winter to maybe March. Yep. In the in low this, water temps. And this is below the Mason Dixon line. Yeah. So. You're talking about fish that don't want to feed, they don't want to travel, and the bite window is very narrow if you do have a bite window. Yeah. So your presentation is glacial speed. Okay. You, know, you really <laughs> slow down. Yeah. And and that's when I do good because I was raised in Florida and we're the state where they develop dead sticking for right. soft plastics. Right. Yeah. Because in a cold front, largemouth bass in Florida do not want to bite. You, I mean, literally, you can throw it out there and drink a coffee. <laughs> and finally your line will start tightening yeah. up yeah. and he'll pick it up and start swimming with it. Yeah. Same with jerk baits in the winter, even on Northern reservoirs within reason. I mean, yeah. you can't go too far North or you're going to be ice fishing. Hard water. That's exactly. right. <laughs> but you know, so the, the idea is to get the bait down in the strike zone and fish it super slow and way more bites come on the pause mm. than they do with the bait moving. Okay. And that's true even in warmer water. 90% of the bites I get with a jerk bait are when that bait's paused okay. or just as it starts to move on the next pull. Right. That's, so if you're fishing too fast, you're not giving them that time they want yeah, to hit it. Yeah. To people, it's like a topwater plug for a lot of anglers. They want perpetual movement. They just can't help keep those props turning. Right. Same with a jerk bait. They want to they want to feel the resistance of that lure as it's moving under the water. And there's right. times when you can get, get away with that. Usually warmer water temperatures, mm -hmm. that may be the primary way to present the lure. Yeah. You know, you don't need a pause. But there are too many times that people don't apply the pause long enough. And it, they're costing themselves, especially bigger fish. Yeah. Bigger fish, a lot of times, will want to look at the bait longer than people realize mm, before before it commits. Yeah, you, you may see it, like in the case of a, the Great Lakes, you see a lot of fish that eat your your jerk bait even at thirty feet from the boat, forty right. feet from the boat. You know, so they'll come up and they'll address the lure. They'll look at it, and they're they're excited enough to come from wherever they were holding right. to to inspect the bait and. And they're opportunistic, mm -hmm. you know, and if it, if, if you can fool them enough, they'll take a shot at it. Right. So it's, it's all about trying to keep that in mind, but you, you know, that pause is so crucial. And sometimes the longer you leave it there, the, the worse they can stand it. Yep. So, and then like I said, that next pull yeah. determines everything. Right. Oh, it's so hard to do though. It is hard. It is hard. But Especially if, you, if you're getting bit and you're catching them. I, I tend to get excited and speed up. Yeah. Yeah. If you see the fish there and yeah. he's, he's like dancing around your bait, you're wanting to move it. Yeah. 
You got to fight that. Right. So sometimes you got to fight that. You know, the only times that I've had this lesson come home to me and then I've been receptive as I should be to it is usually when I throw a big backlash and I've right. got a bait sitting out there. Right. Right. And, and, you know, and you do this like twice in the same morning and you're like, man, that's twice now I've had a backlash and the fish picked it up while I was doing nothing. Yeah. I might be fishing too fast. Yeah. 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 Not that. Do you remember what a backlash is? I get them probably haven't time. seen one of those. The best fishermen on tour get back. <laughs> Kevin Van Dam gets backlashes. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, Kevin, we'd like to invite you to defend yourself on the Mastering Rod Building podcast. Yep. If you want to come uh, deny any backlash, we, we'd be happy to have you. So, okay. Well, this is super helpful. Like, what have I missed? What else should we talk about? Or what other super informative, what other kind of nuances or subtleties or what are we missing? We're well, fishing too fast, right? Yeah, and and the, the one thing I want people that are going to try and learn the, the, the approach, the, the jerkbait you know, deal, they need to understand that they individually they are tools in their own mm -hmm. one jerk bait's not going to get it done okay there are jerk baits that work in a lot of situations mm -hmm. but you need different links different profiles different actions hang on i gotta make sure my wife's listening to this yeah i mean you're it, saying we need a box full of jerk you need baits. a box of jerk baits if All you're right. if you're going to really learn and master jerk bait fishing yeah. you need a, a variety of body styles you need a you know some suspend some float up some float up faster than others yeah and and you can modify that. There are suspend dots yep. and and suspend strips that mm -hmm. are adhesive lead strips right. or dots, literally like a, like a paper punch. Yep, a hole punch. And, yeah. and they adhere to the belly of the lure. You right. put them in usually around the front hook hanger. Okay. Either in front or behind or both. Okay. Depending how many you use, right on the belly of the lure, and that okay. will help the bait slow its its uh, rise. Okay. And keep it down, and you could you can stack them on top of each other. That's what I do. I don't interesting. I don't put them, you know, laterally down the body of the, the belly of the lure. I, I stack them on each other. And you so that way you're keep you're arresting the rise of the lure, but you're keeping the posture in the water from the, getting nose up or the something. Same attitude in the okay. water. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to defeat that. I don't like a tail low. I like the the nose to be slightly nose down. Okay. Yeah. I don't like the tail down as it's when a jerkbait comes to rest in the water, that's the attitude I want is the nose slightly, slightly down. down. Okay. Yeah. Or perfectly horizontal at the worst. I do not want the tail to sag. That's just me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. What do you know? You've only been on tour for 30 years. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, you, know you, you learn a lot when you throw a jerkbait in clear water, even if there's no fish, throw it in your swimming pool. You can you learn about it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You can see what the characteristics of that bait are and you need to know that. And and that's true with all the different jerk baits that you end up using and and putting in your tackle box. You want to know how they work. How far do they go to the side? How erratic are they in a tight window of space? How far with each pull of the rod tip? You know, if you pull the rod tip two feet, how far does the lure travel? Mm -hmm. Does it travel as far mm -hmm. or more? Yeah. You know, it it might be the exact same amount of distance, or it might be less okay. because there's line stretch. Right. The lure has resistance from the bill, so it may sag, right, and not you know realize the same distance that you've pulled the rod tip, yeah. or it can glide further than your pull. So right. there's a lot of variables there. Jerk baits are neat lures. They're to me the purest form of artificial lures, simply because they are designed to look like a bait fish in the water, a struggling bait fish. Yeah. They have the profile. Uh, they are narrower in body simply because if you have if the body were deeper on a jerk bait, it wouldn't get the side to side or the er erratic action. Right. So you kind of have to have that slender profile, but the length is is really something to consider when you're trying to match 
the shad or the the herring or right. the alewives or whatever forages that right. you know, we've covered. One thing, one thing I really like about them too is you as an angler get to impart a lot of action. Absolutely. Right? You and I could be in the boat. You could be catching them every cast in the front of the boat. I could be using the same rod, the same reel, the same line, the same lure, and not getting bit at all because you're you're just doing a better job of manipulating yep. the bait to trigger the strikes. Yep. And, and while that sounds kind of frustrating and difficult and inaccessible, boy, when it's so gratifying when you get it right, right? It, it can be absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if if like in the case of the Great Lakes, I may be jerk baiting near three or four other boats in right. competition. And somebody's usually outperforming the other guy, and it's it, it's not just the lure he selected, right? It's presentation. Yeah, sure, ninety percent of the time it's yeah. presentation because we're all pretty much using the same basic jerk bait, right? Because of you know being on those the history of being on those bodies of water right. more than once, you, you know, know it worked. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So that that's definitely food for thought. Yeah. Uh, again, a parting tip: just don't overwork the lure unless the fish are aggressive and in the mood to chase. Okay. You know, if if they're receptive to that, great. But there's too often times where that's not the case. Most often, that's not the case. And that's the beauty of a jerkbait is it can provoke a fish to react when other lures can't. Right. Yeah. You know, a fish that does not want to feed many times can be fooled with a jerkbait. And he'll make, he may only take a shot at it one time. And you may only get one barb on on the trailing treble hook. Right. But at least you got that. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That, that That's better than nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. And they could yeah. be more productive than live bait. Yeah. It's interesting. It makes me feel, listening to you talk about this, that I, I need to slow down, probably fishing too fast. Yeah. 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 And I, I tend to think of that as a cold water thing, right? But yeah. uh, I, I guess it can work at all times. So. No, you, you got to mix it up. And, and that's true with just about, you know, any lure. Like I throw a topwater lure sometimes so slow it's you know people are like when are you going to move the bait i mean mm -hmm. what why is this guy not moving the lure and i can't tell you how many big fish i've caught that are i know they're behind a lot of times they'll give themselves away mm -hmm. and this is another podcast for another time yeah but it, it's knowing that learning that from topwater fishing and applying it to jerkbait fishing that made me a better jerkbait fisherman i i caught more fish because i was more patient yeah especially in cold water or in situation or off colored water we mm -hmm. talked about it briefly but that, that's another scenario where you, you might need to slow your presentation down okay. so the fish can find the lure yeah regardless of the temperature excellent so it, it kind of summarizing or, or putting a bow around some of this we obviously taking into account your stature and what you're comfortable with you can do it with a spinning rod or a casting rod for the wider uh for the hard jerk baits that wider kind of really side to side without a lot of forward movement, uh, a really soft parabolic kind of noodle action rod, Correct. right? You like seven to seven too. And I think probably that's for most average anglers, that's going to be a really good place to start yep. for that slightly crisper action. When you want to be snapping those jerk baits a little more forward, a little yep. more aggressive, not as much side to side, yep. um, like the, the weed lanes you're talking about, a, a, a crisper action, maybe right. a little bit shorter to six, 10, right. six, eight, seven feet, whatever. And then when we talk about the soft plastics, again, going heavier to like a medium heavy type rod, yeah. again, to be able to set the hook yep. and, and because they have a gentler action anyway. Yep. Um, so there's tons of people making these rods, right? And I know I'm going to list, we'll, we'll list some of the ones. I happen to know several of the ones that use Fuji guides and real seats, you know, from uh, St. 
Croy and G Loomis and uh, North Fork Composites and Cash and, and Crowder and a whole, a whole lot of folks that make these, but you have some you really like that you you've worked on and helped design. Like I know you've got some, do you want to talk about some of the Shimano series you recommend for yeah, this? I've, I've been with Shimano my whole life. Yep. Um, it seems like, I mean, it's, I've been in this business so long, but mm-hmm. my entire career has been with Shimano. Yep. Toyo Shimano signed me. Okay. That's how far back I go. It was an actual yeah. Shimano with the papers on yeah. him and everything. Toyo Shimano signed me. And, you know, rods have evolved along, you know, the way, but the rods I'm using now are their X-Pride series. Okay. I really like those rods. They're crisp mm-hmm. and they're light. They're responsive, durable. Yeah. They're they're tough rods. You, you hardly have any breakage with those rods. And Did you hear that? That's a professional bass fisherman saying they're tough. That means they're really tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm hard on equipment, and and they hold up for me. So yeah, that's awesome. But anyway, they uh, I, I like the the balance of the rods mm-hmm. in, in all links, um, and and their jerkbait rods are no exception. They mm-hmm. they just have a really good feel in your hand. Mm-hmm. I pair them with I like the Metanium. Okay, yep. It, that's that's my favorite jerkbait reel in they're, a slower gear ratio. It, generally. You know, six to seven to one, so, okay. you know, somewhere in there. I don't like okay. the high speed retrieve because I feel like I'm, I'm, I have a tendency to overwork the lure okay. and I don't want to do that. Okay. So slower is better for me. Yep. You know, it, it, ergonomically, it's very comfortable. The, the real seat pairs with that reel really well. Mm-hmm. Shimano makes a lot of great low profile reels mm-hmm. for the technique and the price points accommodate anybody's pocket Any budget. Book. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and you know, there it's to the point now the reels that the, the Technology that were in the reels ten years ago are now in the lower pro- price point yeah, reels. Absolutely. So you can get a really good durable reel that has right. great tolerances and great drag system, and you know the ball bearings and all the you know the features that you're looking for in a in a lower pr- price point reel, yeah. and and be well suited for the technique. Yeah. And as far as spinning, I like you, a three thousand size. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. I like I, I like Stella's, of course, but that's not near. But we budget. all <laughs> right. But, for the money, it's hard to beat the uh, Stratic. Yeah. And if you're doing fresh and saltwater, that's a great reel. The Branford's, a, that's a good reel also. Yeah. I might have gotten to do some testing of some G. Loomis and Shimano products recently that can't be talked about. And there's the Accents, that reel. That's is an awesome reel. Nice, it is. Nice reel. Where, uh, the, the one thing about that reel, though, for the average guy, it doesn't hold a lot of line. Well. You know, that's, Fair that's enough. the trade-off. Yep, yep. So it's a lighter pound test reel. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're kind of limited on the amount of, of, of line you can get on the spool. Yep. So you're using very light braid or, or very mm-hmm. light uh, fluorocarbon, generally yeah. speaking, but it's a great reel. It's I was silky, impressed. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool yeah. finish on it too. I know that I'm not supposed to care how they look, only how they perform. Well, that's my a, favorite reel. It's really. a cool looking reel. But yeah. I, I don't use it that much. I, I use it very selectively. Yeah. It's a great bonefish reel. Oh, really? I bet. Yeah. yeah but you got to use super light line, yeah. you know, to right. get enough on there. Yeah. Because they can run to the next oh, good zip gracious. code. They'll smoke you. Yeah. yeah. You, you throw in jerk baits at any bonefish? I've never caught a bonefish on a jerk bait. I haven't either. I'm trying to think. I've seen a trigger caught on a jerk bait. Uh, certainly seen snapper. There's actually places where around like coral reef heads and stuff, they're trolling jerk baits for grouper, which yeah. is like crazy. Like who would have thought you'd catch grouper that way? No, like, they, do the that a lot stuff. Where, they do that a lot where we are. Oh, in Florida. Yeah. yeah okay. The guy yeah. I travel with on tour, Cliff Prince, he, he's got an offshore boat and they, they troll jerk baits. Yep. But snook, Tarpon, yeah, redfish, they all eat jerkbait. Trout, yeah. oh yeah, big trout. That's oh a yeah, great on the White River in Arkansas, yeah, that's a well. I'm talking most about saltwater the... trout. Oh, okay, well, yeah, yeah. freshwater trout too. Yeah. Like yeah. the yeah. big freshwater brown trout and the big gator, you know, uh, 
Spotted sea trout. Yeah. Yeah. Jerk baits are, you know, they're almost universal lures. I'm sure they'll work in South Africa and, and Central America and wherever other weird species yep. are, Australia. I don't know. I don't believe you. We should go try and find we out. To, we need to I prove we, that. I think we owe it to ourselves to do some research. Yeah, we need to prove on, that. On the scene, R&D. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. Well, uh, we I know we've covered a lot of information here. We're going to post links where you can find all this information. And, uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of you are custom rod builders and we're not going to neglect you either. We're going to put together some blueprints and some uh, guide setups and guide spacing and some recommended handle systems and things like that. So if you've never built a jerkbait rod before, we can get you on the right path and we'll we'll have some recipes, both spinning and casting for the various styles that uh, Bernie's been referring to. But um, just, man, what a wealth of information. And it's always a privilege to get to talk to you. And I, it always reminds me how little I know, despite fishing all the time when I get to talk to somebody like you who's been doing it at a professional level for so long. Well, I appreciate that. It's more than I deserve, but I, I just, hopefully it'll help people catch a few more fish. I hope so. And, uh, you know, at risk of overstepping, I'd like to go ahead and have you invite you again. We'd love to have you come yeah. back another day and talk to us about another topic or another yeah, subject. Absolutely. So, yeah, awesome. We can go through the whole tackle box. Yeah, there we go. Part of time. Well, Hey, I'm, you know, we might need to do one on, I know you're a big vintage tackle collector too. So, yeah, uh, yeah. that's a, that's a, a, another interesting topic. So all anglers are tackle collectors. They don't realize it, but they okay. <laughs> all anglers. Oh, are. I, I did say like vintage. Old. Yeah, you exactly. Did, but we're all collectors. <laughs> I just right. like them old. There's a lot of jokes I could make there. Right? Could. It's a family friendly, friendly program. I'm going to leave them out. So, man, Bernie, thanks so much for coming. So good to see you. Good luck. You have how many Elite Series events? Three, three, three Elite events. Series events? Yeah. yeah. And they are all jerkbait events. Oh, so, so this is timely. Yeah. This is timely. And jerkbait could play big into each of those fisheries. We're on the uh, St. Clair liver. Uh, liver. River. <laughs> We're on the St. Clair River. Good to be happy hour for me and Bernie. You yeah. can tell. <laughs> We're on the uh, St. Clair River in Detroit. Mm. Then we go to Lake Champlain at Plattsburgh, New York. And then right after that, we're on the St. Lawrence at the mouth of the Lake Ontario where it exits, you know, it turns into Man. the river. Champlain. I have fished that a couple of times with my father-in-law. May he rest in peace. And that I, we just caught, I mean, it was a mix of small mouth and large mouth. And I don't think we caught a fish under three pounds. It was ridiculous. Anybody listening to this, make one of those lakes your bucket list destination. Oh, they are so good. So good. The best smallmouth fishing. And there's a lot of largemouth, quality largemouth. You can catch five pound largemouth. Yeah. I yeah. was so surprised. Yeah. Uh, they have a, a good population. All of them do. But smallmouth fishing, there's nothing nothing better. Yeah. And it's just that good. You also will get the occasional uh, snot rocket, you know, catch that. You'll be thinking you're bass fishing and catch the, uh, you know, 40 inch pike. Oh, That's yeah. one of the only times I've had a fish explode a rod in Must my be. hands. So, oh, I haven't been that lucky. I haven't accidentally caught a muskie yet but I, I have definitely accidentally caught a few pike up there it's just it, those lakes are so fertile and rich it's such an unbelievable ecosystem yeah uh, so much yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with bernie if you haven't ever fished up there it's not what you think yeah you, you got to go get a jerkbait rod and a few jerkbaits and go there we go well good luck on those events Thank you. uh you know anglers is obviously very proud to sponsor you and we'll be rooting for you and Thank look you. forward to your continued success and thanks so much for your time today yes sir anytime all right that's gonna wrap it up for this week but if you'd like to be notified as soon as all new podcasts are released just text the word fishing to 587-317-6099 we'll add you to our email list so you can stay up to date Thanks for listening.